Annyeong SAO, welcome to Afternoona Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the haul you wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unease. Hello, everybody. Hello. We don't have we don't have a hi there. I'm doing Megan's hello. Yeah, we like don't have. <laughs> yeah. So tonight we are short. Um, one host. We do not have Megan with us tonight. We have not one but two special guests. Very excited. So to start things off, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, Francisca and Jay. How about if you two introduce yourselves? You can say as much as you want as far as like name, where you're from, how long you've been a fan of K-dramas, if you'd like, and what is one of your all-time favorite shows, because we have to know if we love the same stuff, because that gets us even more excited. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Francisca. I'm from Germany. Um, I haven't been actually watching K-dramas for very long. My sister introduced me to them, like, last Christmas, so not very long at all. But um, I haven't watched anything else since, so I've been totally hooked. <laughs> I, th- I think we all know the feeling of that, right? <laughs> so um, I think... <laughs> I think my favorite K drama, um, it's it's a tie, unfortunately, between Healer and um, Rain or Shine, which is also known as Just Between Lovers. Um, so those are my favorites, my absolute favorites. Okay, well that's really exciting because we actually are going to do Rain or Shine or Just Between Lovers before year end. It's on our upcoming list. So Ooh, very exciting. Yes, and we do love Healer. So cool. And then Jay. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, I go by Jay on my social media accounts, and I'm from Melbourne in Australia, but from the accent, you can tell I'm Canadian. And so um, I moved here 13 years ago. And I've been watching K-dramas since late 2019, I guess, about the same time that I started uh, listening to K-pop. And it was my daughter that introduced me to K-pop, and since then, she's kind of moved on to other stuff. And yeah, I'm still still with it. Um, <laughs> so uh, in terms of K-dramas, uh, I guess my favorites, I'm more like into um, fantasy ones. So uh, Goblin, obviously. And, and the other one is My Love from the Star, because that is like one of my all-time favorites. I also watch dramas from other countries as well. And I do watch a lot of BLs as well. So, I mean, I've watched, um, you know, like, like Thai ones and Taiwanese and Japanese, etc. And so some favorites there, I mean, are Untamed and like in terms of Thai ones until we meet again, etc. So I mean, yeah, I, I watch a lot of stuff. Excellent. Well, tonight we are doing the second part in our deep dive of the very popular smash hit 2022 uh, K-drama, which is Extraordinary Attorney Wu. So for any of you who have been hiding under a rock and don't kind of know the premise, Extraordinary Attorney Wu tells the story of Wu Young Wu, who is an autistic lawyer raised by a single father. She gets her first job at Hambara, which is a large sole law firm. And, you know, we kind of follow through, you know, her life working at this law firm with her relationship to her supervisors, her former law school classmate and peer, and then a burgeoning romance with the very, very 
gorgeous Kong Tae Oh, who, uh, play, who yeah, plays the character John Ho. And as we talked about last week, um, if you listened, we did talk a lot about how this really is kind of a legal drama in many ways, with the show really getting into like very finely balanced legal issues and kind of grappling with difficult ethical questions. But tonight, we are really excited to have uh, Jay and Francisca with us. Because while I identify personally as neurodivergent, I am not autistic. And so, you know, I want to give the caveat that I understand that, like, both of you are speaking from your personal perspectives as autistic people and not on behalf of, like, the entire autistic universe because, you know, that doesn't really exist. You know, before we get into Extraordinary Attorney Wu, what are your thoughts on autistic rep and K-dramas overall? Um and, you know, are there any shows that you've come across that you kind of want to commend as doing a particularly good job or kind of want to, like, do what we kind of call the wag of the finger? where <laughs> You feel like, you know, they left a little bit to be desired. So, Francisca, any thoughts? I've actually only come across two other dramas um, with characters that are, like, officially autistic. And that is Rain or Shine, which we've mentioned before. And what is it called? It's Okay Not to Be Okay. And I thought both of these dramas did a really, really, really good job. They're both just side characters, so unlike Extraordinary Tony Wu, where we've got an autistic main character. But I really loved about both of these shows that there wasn't any judgment towards, the, towards, towards these characters. Um, they were just part of the, you know, like, drama family. They were just, you know, like, the friends of the leads and... There wasn't, you know, like it was just like completely natural that they were the friends of the leads and that they were just who they were. Great. Thank you for that. And then, Jay, what about you? I think like that's the, the main ones that that I remember as well is Moon um, Sung and It's OK Not to Be OK. And there was also the character in Move to Heaven, which I didn't actually finish that series. I think I got about midway through and got distracted as I sometimes do and but I mean what I did see I did like so I mean I thought that had been well done and if I'm not mistaken I'm pretty sure that um like the good doctor spinoff in the U.S. is is based on the original Korean version um and maybe there's even like a, a version before that as well but um from and I remember seeing clips of the Korean version of The Good Doctor as well. And so I, I didn't actually watch the entire series of that one, but I did see some clips. And that one also relies on kind of like the savant trope. Um, and so, I mean, I think it's kind of like an early forerunner of some of the stuff that came afterwards. But I mean, we'll, we can talk about the savant trope a little bit later. But I mean, that's a little bit problematic in itself, but uh, I mean, I think it was a, it was a start, right? So. Mm. And neither of you have seen Boys Over Flowers, correct? No. <laughs> Give a little wag of the finger because if you watch Boys Over Flowers, which like it's a hot mess of a drama, I personally kind of like a lot of it. Just, I don't know why, like if I'm in the right frame of mind, but there is a big <laughs> wig of the finger where one of the characters in it, um, identifies how they fell in love in like their teenage years with this beautiful young girl who healed them from <laughs> and that's like basically one of the plot lines it could I, I will say like we don't know what gets lost in the translation either you know from because 
Well, did we watch that one on yes, Vicky? Amy being, Amy's being generous. I, well, I know. Yes. I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, I, <laughs> like there are some things that we do miss. I 100 percent agree that this is very problematic, and it was like really like a throwaway line, like a one line thing in there. Which it was very odd to even have it to begin with, because it was never about you know, it was ne- that was never like part of the character arc or anything like that. It was just this like one line throwaway about him falling in love. So it was very. It well, was, I'm still not over it. No, so. no, no, no. I 100% agree. I 100% agree. But I do wonder what the Hangul actually says um, compared to what we said. And if anyone does know, like kind of like, you know, if anyone is, uh, you know, speaks Korean and has the interest in going back and looking at Boys Over Flowers or, you know, knows because basically the direct translation that's burned into my brain is... You know, she healed me from the long dark of autism. And I was like, oh, that is definitely not. I mean, the whole drama, the whole drama is problematic in so many ways, yet weirdly addicting. Like it was one of the first ones that Leah and I watched. Okay, so Jay and Francisca, you are both active on Twitter, which is how basically our paths first crossed. You did a lot of work quite generously, I might add, to deep dive Extraordinary Attorney Wu. Could you share your social media handles and what folks listening could expect in terms of content if they choose to follow you? And how about, Jay, how about if you go first this time? Okay. Um, my Twitter handle is Bird, and I will spell that out. Um, <laughs> H-A-L-L-Y-U-L-Y-R-E-B-I-R-D. Um, I don't know if anyone, it's, yeah, there's a, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the the Lyra Bird. Um, I am. <laughs> you are awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, there's so many YouTube videos that you can you can watch of them mimicking like every sound out there. Like it's just um, it's just astounding and it's amazing. And they're the most beautiful birds and just their talent at being able to do that. And so, I mean, when I set up the account way back when I just kind of went with this as a handle because as somebody who masks a lot as autistic it, and you, you do a lot of your life kind of mimicking and masking and trying to fit in um, it just seemed natural to actually have like Lyra Bird as part of the handle it just it just made perfect sense right so so that is um, my Twitter handle uh, the my profile name is silver tailed mochi um so yeah that's that's me and the account um it started as a bts account but it's kind of um evolved over time um there's still a lot of bts and the rose on there which is um one of my other favorites oh, yeah. i'm going to see the rose in november yes another black <laughs> another black rose fantastic <laughs> So there's a lot of that content. Um, there's um, whatever K-drama I'm watching currently, whatever C-drama I'm watching currently. Uh, there's tweets about kind of my daily lived experience of autism. Um, and I do a lot of discussions about normalizing, talking about mental health and mental health issues. And um, and I, you know, kind of like you retweet like Yibo and Wang Zian as well, like untamed memes and stuff. So, I mean... That's kind of that's kind of my account. So, uh, and I love having new follow- followers. And so, yeah, <laughs> feel free. It would be awesome. 
And we will also, for anyone listening who, like, you know, is listening to the handle and is like, oh, I'm driving, I can't, like, write this down or whatever, we'll put this all in the show notes as well so that, um, you know, everyone listening can make sure to go and give it a follow. And the Liarbird, I feel like my will actually smugness is, you know, I go to, I go to <laughs> Australia every year, so I'm like, well, actually, I do know that very cool Australian bird, so. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> do you know it? Leah, do you know it from going to Australia, or do you know it because Nick taught you about it in Australia? I know it because my husband is actually what grew, um, grew up in the rough part of um, the city that Jay lives in. And up in the mountain, uh, like, there's this area called the Dandenongs, which isn't far away. And uh, when you go up there, lyrebirds are up there, and you can hear them, like, mimicking camera clicking. Cool. And also, <gasps> they have, like, a song. Their their song is mimicry. And so I thought it was really yes. poetic how you kind of, like, were talking about that in terms of, you know, identifying with that as, like, you know, masking through autism. Because it is really interesting to hear that the, the bird is a very good mimicker. It is. Absolutely. And if anyone... You know, like we're going to get sidetracked talking about <laughs> liar birds now. I'm for sure. I'm for sure Googling it after this. So I'm going to go listen to it. Yeah. Okay. But no, like have a, have a look. I mean, there's like David Attenborough stuff. There's all kinds of stuff on YouTube, but I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding when I'm saying that their ability yeah. to mimic is just astounding. And there's videos of them doing um, like fire engines and camera clicks and chainsaws and yeah. building site hammering it's, like they will mimic yeah anything. it's extraordinary so it's, and they're it's beautiful amazing. so anyway that was our yes you know i like digressing and i like nerding that's out, a good so. one <laughs> yeah. okay well, i'm not gonna make you have to like you know <laughs> do some sort of bird metaphor so what do you have what do you have for us in terms of your social media because you didn't say this beforehand you know like if you had said i needed a bird metaphor i would have definitely prepared one <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, my Twitter handle is um, Wandering Francie, as in wandering around, and Francie with a Z, um, as in my name. Um, <laughs> um, what to expect from my account? I don't know. Um, Jay and I were kind of like laughing about this question when we read it, because we were like, okay, our accounts are not professional accounts. They're just like real people's accounts. They're chaos. They have everything we like. So um, mine is mostly um, <laughs> about Ji Chang-wook, which is my favorite Korean actor. My, no, my, my, my favorite actor, actually. You know, like I don't have to put the Korean there. He's my favorite actor. Um, so yeah, I post a lot about him. Um, I do love to deep dive into um, dramas and kind of like, you know, like um, look into all the little details and, and discuss those. Um, I share a lot about... Um, autism from like other accounts um and um i did actually post recently about an autistic character in um, a k-drama so i might do more of that was that the suspicious partner one yes yes okay yeah that was good so i recommend yeah if you're listening i recommend following both of these um women and really i think for me you know, we have a uh, a Twitter account for the podcast. Uh, I leave it to Megan mostly to run, um, and I think Amy does too, because personally, I have like a love-hate relationship with Twitter, because sometimes it just feels like it's this like humanity screaming into the void, and I get very depressed. <laughs> but then sometimes I feel like I find these like nuggets of wisdom and insight that there's just no other way I would have gotten 
And so that's kind of how I felt like when I went through and kind of looked at both of your accounts. And so thank you for that, because it felt like that's like the best of Twitter, right? And I, I think sometimes, you know, yeah. when you think of like, what's the intention of social media to like bring us together sometimes? I've really felt like yeah. that in um, in seeing both of your accounts. So thank you for that. Aww. That's uh, so kind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so moved. That's so kind. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, so I think that like, go ahead, Francisca. I think for um, like um, like about the like love hate relationship with Twitter. I think um, there's like a an aspect to Twitter that's like really really important to autistic people, to neurodivergent people, to anyone who's like part of a minority. Like I'm not I'm not openly autistic in real life. Like only a very mm. few people really know about that. But on Twitter, I'm like you know like all out there, and I found my community, and I feel safe enough to like talk about these things. So um, I really love Twitter for that. Yeah, that's an, I see, and that's what I, I mean, like, <clears throat> I think that perspective, yeah, that perspective is great. And I think that it makes me encouraged to say, you know what, because you can curate Twitter to be useful. I think I still just need to like get over the fact that like I'm scarred from like living through like the Trump presidency and I need to like re like re-energize to the places like you said, where, you know, there's people who are out there just putting out good content and you're going to be able to have like quality conversations. So it's a good reminder and I need that sometimes. <laughs> I'm hope yeah, like I was gonna say, I'm hoping that, you know, we're, we're past the Trump stuff and we're I mean, I don't want to say that we're emerging out of the pandemic because it's still going strong, but we're in a different place with it, I guess, that I'm hoping that we're going to start seeing sort of like a rebirth of what Twitter used to be for us and and for, you know, other people who have kind of stepped away for a little bit. Because, again, like I, I leave it, like you said, I leave it to Megan to run the Twitter. But then when Sarah told me, um, you know, first pointed me towards Jay to check out Jay's account. I was like, okay, well, here's some good stuff that I'm missing because I'm not hanging out here like I used to be. So I, I do hope that we're seeing, you know, a resurgence of this, you know, content that is meaningful. And I'm happy for you guys, um, for, for you folks that you have found a community there because that makes me very hopeful. And this is actually... In reality, this is how I met Amy, who we're talking to tonight, and then our co-host Megan, who's not here, is through Twitter, like circa 2012. Like I was on writer Twitter, basically, and that's like yes. how I've met like most of my good writer friends was through Twitter, um, and kind of like people who were like you know aspiring writers and things like that, and they've become like my great friends. Even so, in real life, like we've yeah, seen each other off screen. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we've seen each other in the real world. Okay, so anyway, digressing aside, I'm pulling it back. Um, you know, there, so today as we have these conversations, quite a few things that I kind of want to refer to are things that have been kind of touched on on either one of your Twitter channels. And so, Jay, to start, could you describe a little bit about what the double empathy problem is? And then how it relates to extraordinary attorney Wu. Okay. Uh, thanks. I'm going to probably refer to some notes here while I'm doing that because um, it's it's complex, and I just want to try and make sure that I'm articulating it um, as correctly as I can. So um, the double empathy problem is a theory that was proposed by an autistic academic, and his name is Dr. Damien Milton, and. He argues that autistic people do not lack empathy, which is a common perception, but rather um, because we experience the world differently and express emotions differently and interact with others differently and sense the world differently and form relationships differently than neurotypical people do. Um, 
it makes it it makes it tough sometimes for non-artistic people to understand and empathize with us um, just as much as we find it tricky to do the same with neurotypical people and so because of this um, this creates a gap or a divide which he terms a double empathy problem um, in which both sides end up experiencing a lack of understanding for the other group and so um, even though both sides experience this they're both not equally affected um, or impacted in the way as the neurotypical way of communicating and being in the world is seen as the expected way and is viewed as being um, you know like air quote here normal and correct and so this kind of leads to autistic ways of being and communicating viewed as pathological and with that kind of lens and so um, unless neurotypical people have autistic people in their lives they often don't learn to understand these autistic perspectives and so the theory is kind of like a welcome change from looking at autistic communication and ways of being as um you know looking at it from an idea of defects or pathology and it underscores the importance of reciprocity and co-creating mutual understanding And if this theory were more widely recognized, I think it could really change policy and really change autistic lives for the better. And I guess like how it relates to Extraordinary Attorney Wu is that while I was watching it, there were several examples through the series where you could see this double empathy gap and see that it was really apparent. And in the interactions with her father and also with Jung Ho as well. And so, I mean... I mentioned this in the thread, but a couple of examples that just immediately spring to mind are um, when she went to the company dinner with the the after they'd won one of the cases and they had the the fancy posh three hundred thousand long dinner plates, um, and they were they and then she comes home and brings her father um, kimbap from the restaurant and he's kind of like wow you know my successful daughter she went to this fantastic restaurant and what did she bring me and he opens it and he's looking at it and he's <laughs> and he's like oh great the food I make every day <laughs> you know and I think that was one of the big big examples that struck me was that you know like he's he's kind of looking at it as like why on earth would you bring me this like you know I'm I you know I make this every day I run you know like this this business where that's all I do is make this and kind of you know what you know what on earth and meanwhile i mean she's equating it as you know the food that resonates with family and love and safety and that this is you know her favorite and also like she ate it at the place you know and so she knows it's good and so of course like why wouldn't she bring it home like this this makes perfect sense this is like you know of course she would bring it home and so i mean that was one of the kind of the the examples that struck me and then of course there was like so many from when she was dating Jung Ho and, you know, like when they were having conversations, like especially that one in the street where, you know, they were kind of discussing, you know, like, are we not dating? Like, you know, I was kind of under the impression that we were dating and, and, you know, and she's like, um, no. And like, are we not? And so, I mean, there was just kind of these, these miscommunications that were happening. And, but if you looked at it from each of their perspectives individually, I mean, it made perfect sense to them and with their logic, but it was just, yeah, there was just a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. 
Those are really helpful examples for anybody who this is new to. And it was new to me when I was reading your thread. So I appreciate you putting it in the context because I think that's super helpful that it is really all about perspective. And it's not that any perspective is the right one versus the wrong one. Like, you know, like you're saying, it is just it's perspective and it's a different way of looking at the situation based on who it is looking at it, which you would hope it would, you know, you would hope that anybody would be able to understand that. But unfortunately, in this case, when it comes to, you know, neurotypical people and sometimes their views of, you know, of neurodivergent, that they don't see this double empathy situation. Exactly. And I think like this is like one of the really good examples why um, social media is so important um, because it's just amplifying everyone's voices and everyone's like, oh, but, you know, like there's a stereotype that autistic people don't, you know, like feel emotion as much. And, you know, all the autistic people on Twitter are just like, what? Uh, You know, like I feel emotion a lot. Like it's so overwhelming. Like, like, where does this even come from? You know, like, and it all comes from scientists from like 10, 15, 20 years ago, or even five years ago, who just like, I don't know, who just like never actually talked and listened to any autistic person, but just like watched, saw that their, the expressiveness in their face was different to what they were expecting and just like concluded that means they don't feel any emotion. And it's just Mm. like, it's one of, one of those really hurtful things, really. Yeah, I can appreciate that, especially having someone be like, (laughs) I don't know what it would be like to have someone be like, oh, yes, you don't feel emotion. And you're like, well, I'm really (laughs) going (laughs) to. So, I mean, like, yeah, it's that's, you know, yeah, I think that that's a really powerful thing to say. And it's true. Yeah, unfortunately, it's true. Like, there is that stereotype. Mm -hmm. Yes. yes. And I mean, I think and I think what I mean, going back to what, you know, Francisco is just saying, like, you know, a scientist, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, like made this decision. It's because you've also got very likely, you know, the early scientists who were who were studying, you know, uh, the different ways that the brain work. You've got a neurotypical scientist making these decisions about, you know, a, a subset of the population that they are not a part of. And so how can you actually know if somebody does not feel the, the same thing that you feel because you are not that person. And so I really, yeah, I can't say enough about like, ju- like I said, like just reading through your threads, like how much it helped me understand and, and taught me. And I'm hoping that this is going to have, you know, other of our listeners um, go to your, you know, your social media and be a part of the conversation and a part of, hopefully changing the conversation too. That would be great. So while it's not realistic for one character or show to encompass the lived reality of all autistic people, representation does matter. So first off, we're curious about how you both feel about a neurotypical actor like Park Eun-bin playing an autistic character. Um, you know, you also mentioned It's Okay to Not Be Okay, where we had Oh jung um as Moon Song-tae as well. Um, and, and we... We've all had great things to say about that drama, but we want to hear from you, you know, your thoughts on how, whether it's Park and Bins or, you know, you can go to another um, autistic character that you've brought up, um, how the role was written, um, you know, do you think it comes off as ableist or through an ableist lens that values autistic people 
uh, more if they are exceptional in some way. Or, you know, like Jay, like you were bringing up, um, well, I, Francisca, you did too, because you're, you know, talked about not being openly um, open about uh, being autistic outside of social media, except for people you're really close with. Like, do you think that these portrayals are ableist? Are they encouraging masking? Um, do you see some, some good representation? And yeah, what do we think about uh, neurotypical actors portraying these people? Um, Francisca, how about if you go first this time? It's really, really difficult. Um, I think um, the problem is also like how many autistic um, actors are there actually? I mean, obviously, you know, like this is the, the problem, you know, like if we don't actually, you know, like encourage them to join the industry and give them roles and things like that, there won't ever be any. Um, but um, I mean, personally, like generally, I don't have any problem with like neurotypical people um, playing um, autistic characters, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, what I what I feel really, really strongly about, though, and what I thought was kind of lacking with Extraordinary Attorney Wu was like communication about autistic people having been part of the creative process, having been there to kind of like advice on the um, writing, you know, like having just been involved in like, you know, like creating this character and this portrayal. Um, and having just been consulted and, you know, like just contribute in some way to the making of this show. That's a really good point. Like what, yeah, what kind of consultation did they have? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. And they just didn't clearly say, I mean, she said like in one interview that she specifically did not, but this might be lost in translation again, but the English translation said um, that she had, specifically not talked to an autistic person because she didn't want to imitate that one person. Um, I've heard that she studied psychology and that she interacted with autistic people there, but I would have just wished that they would have just like communicated really clearly at the beginning, look, we talked to these autistic people, these autistic people were involved in the process, we, you know, like we, we portray this community, you know, we represent this community and we made sure we show our respect by doing this. Yeah, like you said, it comes down to having having that respect for, you know, lived experience. And so, yeah, I, and, and again, this is where sometimes it is tricky too. being, you know, none of us being Korean speakers or anything is that, you know, we're then relying on translations as well that like, and that introduces like an element of problematicness too in that like, you know, I want to make sure that like, yeah, before I start kind of like judging or critiquing or calling out, there's times where, yeah, we might be missing some of that nuance as well. So I think that was kind of a point that, that we were making when we chatted uh, offline about this as well. And it was just like the importance of having autistic people involved in the production process and as consultants and, you know, even, you know, hopefully one day as writers and just how much that would have changed some of the nuance in the drama and you know i think it would have you know it would have in fact affected it for the better that it would have just improved it a lot and um i mean it it's it is really just common sense that right you know you're you're writing about a specific group and you know you're you're depicting them and just it it just makes sense to have them provide their voices and you know even if you know we don't have an autistic actor who's portraying the role um but just to have those consultants have that input and have the feedback and and all that i mean it's 
that's just so important. And it, it's just hard to imagine that you would um, produce something with, you know, any other group, like, you know, let's just say like, you know, like an, an ethnic group or just, you know, um, you know, some kind of other production and where, you know, you have somebody else playing this, this role and you also don't have anybody from that particular group, like, you know, in on the creative staff, on the process at all. And so, I mean, it, it just, it's just, it, it is really vital. It is really vital. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, that there's more, that, that the times are changing and that there will be more involvement. I mean, um, there was the, the U.S. series, um, Everything's Gonna Be Okay, which, I mean, that kind of was making some inroads as well. And so, I mean, that's, that's a start, but I mean, I'm really hoping that like, it'll, it'll pick up momentum and that we'll see more productions in the future that have uh, a autistic input somehow, like in the, in the production or in the writing. So. Yeah. I think that that would be, um, I think that's just like the necessary step too. So, um, so yeah, thanks for sharing that. And to pivot to something, um, you know, that is a little bit later, but, you know, is very dear to my heart <laughs> is, um, you know, I feel, <laughs> I mean, the world's heart, let's be honest here. So, um, okay. So I'm going to just talk about Kong Tao for a second because like he's gorgeous and the character of Jun Ho, I feel like got people talking. And I think something that's interesting is if Kong Tao was less gorgeous and wonderful and just like so sweet would we like Jun Ho so much I don't know so um so what aspects of his character worked for you and what didn't so um Kang Tao I like everything about this show I just feel like a bit conflicted about it like there were good parts there were not so good parts um I feel like what they were trying to do with his character was they didn't want him to make too specific with too much backstory so that people would say, oh, only a person who's gone through X, Y, Z things could be in a relationship with an autistic person. But I feel a bit like trying to do this, this is just my guess, um, they've gone too much the other way and made him completely flat and one-dimensional and he doesn't seem to have any other you know, attributes than being her boyfriend and I just like was really missing some of that depth in his character to kind of like make him feel real because now for me it felt a bit like okay he's kind of like too perfect too magical like there were almost no scenes where he was like okay I don't quite I mean there were some in the beginning of the drama where he was like okay I didn't like this let's talk about this let's change this so we can make it work for for you know like both of us but I felt like they were not, you know, like doing enough of that, especially in the second half of the drama. I'm sitting here like just enthusiastically nodding, not that anybody can see because that's, a, but I, I like your perspective on it because that is not something that I thought of as far as, you know, let's not make him any specific thing so that we can't, you know, generalize and say, like you're saying, only so-and-so, you know, could love, you know, Wu Young Wu. But yes, you're 100% right. He had no dimension. And Leah, like you said, if it wasn't Kang Tao, I would have looked at this character so much differently. But because Kang Tao, just as a beautiful human, <laughs> is way too charming to watch, like you kind of, you know, a lot of people tend to forgive it and say, like I'm saying, like, 
I hope they go there in season two because it's not, he's not realistic right now. He's, he's just, he's flat, he's paper thin and yeah, we have no, we have nothing to go on there. But I mean, this is like the, the common thing that everyone would think, right? I mean, who, you know, like, I mean, autism is seen as a disorder, as a disability, you know, like there's always like, why would a neuro- neurotypical person, a, you know, like quotation marks, normal person want to be in a relationship with a disabled person? That's always what people think, right? So that's why I, I, I'm kind of like, okay, they try to, you know, like do it like this to make him not too specific. Um, but yeah, I, I think he just needed so much more to his character to actually, you know, like feel real and feel, make, make us feel like, okay, this could actually happen in real life. You know, like they did, to me, they didn't manage to do that. But I mean, Jay and Jay and I were talking about this, like so many autistic people are in long and stable relationships. It's not a problem at all. You know, like so many are married and have been for like so many years. It's not, it's not an unthinkable thing at all. And maybe if some more autistic people had been involved in the writing process, that this relationship and this character would have come out like in a completely different way. Can you please be on the writing team for the second season? Because I think you would be a huge help. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, for the second season, I would kind of like them to break up and her to have a um, neurodivergent boyfriend um, and to just have this like, you know, like kind of like fight between them for her and to just show the differences and maybe make him learn a little bit or make them learn a little bit from each other. Um, that would be so fun yes, to watch. Um, we are manifesting that for the studio to hear our plea. Absolutely. Like as a, as a romance writer, I am listening to you, Fran- Francisca, and I'm like, that is some excellent romantic conflict. Please make this happen. Um, Jay, how about you? Um, well, I think she summed it up really well because we had talked about this as well previously and just, yeah, I think we're both equally disappointed with just how one-dimensional he was and I know I really just wanted some some more depth to his character because we seem to, seem to have got so many hints. Like, we got this, you know, this scene with his friends in the bar um, with, you know, kind of like all the things his friends was, yep. were saying um, and we got... You know, like the attitude of his sister and, you know, then we got the people on the street who are kind of like, you know, are you volunteering again? And so, I mean, we had all these hints at these different aspects of his life that, you know, that he had before he met her and his wider social circle. And we never got an answer as to kind of like why he was different and to why he approached the relationship how he did. And, you know, I just was, I was so curious for it. And I could kind of see where Francisca was going with, you know, they kind of wanted to make him, you know, like the, the every person and that there wasn't anything exceptional about him, you know, that, that it's only natural that, you know, he would have been in this relationship. But at the same time, I also just really wanted to, you know, to have some, some more to go with, with this character to just say, okay, look like, you know, this is a little bit more of his history. This is kind of why he feels like he does. And, you know, and, and we just, we never got it. So it was, it was really disappointing. Uh, one of the like they they did the dating thing right and they did all her like her interests and what she wanted to do on all those dates and then sometime at the end we got like him critiquing this and saying well I actually don't like these things and I just never understood why we didn't get this so much earlier 
and then got an exchange. Like, why didn't they then do some of his hobbies and interests? Um, we, we have no idea what they are. And um, why I was mentioning like a, um, a neurodivergent, neurodivergent uh, relationship uh, for season two, um, there's something that um, a lot of um, autistic people seem to do that's called parallel play, um, where basically um, two autistic people share their time and do things together by doing their separate things so you know like everyone could like both people could be sitting on their laptop and watch like different series and things like that but still like kind of like hold hands and kind of like laugh together and you know like show each other you know like their favorite scenes from it or you know like and and it's really 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 enjoyable and i just feel like that would have been like oh sorry i was just gonna say honestly that's like every day at my house (laughs) (laughs) and that would have been such a cool yeah and how awesome would that have been as a compromise for them you know like for their dates or for spending time together to just do something like that and still like have quality time but you know like kind of like the autistic way (laughs) if you enjoy our podcast you have our patrons to thank at least in part afternoon a delight patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoona Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, blow up your skin with K-merch recs, find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. So what was a scene or an aspect of the show where you thought that mistakes were made? Like what went wrong and what would you have preferred to have seen happen? And let's go with uh, Jay um, for this. I'd say that there's probably uh, a couple of areas. And I think the first one... Uh, and I'm going to try and articulate this the best way I can, so bear with me, um, was the deep pressure scene after the car accident. And um, I remember watching it the first time, and I was kind of thinking, like, wow, I wish they had kind of like a, a caveat or an asterisk or something on the bottom of the screen that kind of said, you know, this is, you know, like a, a fictional representation. You know, please don't use this in real life unless, you know, you know the person well and have given their consent yeah, beforehand, yeah, yeah. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Because um, uh, using using deep pressure or physically restraining uh, an autistic adult who is having a meltdown um, is uh, is complex. Um, it's There's debate as to whether mm-hmm. even, you know, that's... that's um, that should be used or not. And um, there's also like, it's some adults just can't tolerate it. I mean, I, 
I, I mentioned this to Francisco that like if, if that had been me in that situation, that that would have just made everything worse for me. Like it just would have exacerbated everything so much more. And I would not have found it calming or helpful whatsoever. Um, so, I mean, that was kind of like, okay, I, I could see why they wrote that in there and um, what they were trying to do. And, you know, it, it kind of, you know, portrayed him in, in this really good light of like, you know, he's done his research and he's being supportive and he's caring and, and, you know, this is, this is really a good thing. But at the same time, it's just like, I didn't want people that were watching this, um, who didn't have a lot of experience with autistic people in their life to kind of take this away as like, you know, like as a tip of like, you know, okay, like, you know, this is kind of like what you need to do if you ever encounter this or something. I was kind of like, whoa, okay, like, wait a minute. <laughs> no. Um, and so uh, I wish, yeah, I wish that had been just either addressed or even like in the debrief where they were kind of talking about it in the street afterwards. And, you know, he mentioned the, the calming chairs in France or whatever and made the comment of, you know, like I can be your calming chair you know that was you know that was kind of cute actually but anyway but you when me saying that to her and just you know if they could even have just like kind of said something of you know like you know that she said like yeah this works for me you know but i know it doesn't work for all people or something just anything like that would have would have been really helpful and um so that was that was one thing uh the other thing i guess was just the way they really wanted to try and portray autism in kind of almost like in its best light. And I think that Francisca mentioned this as well when we were talking about it, was that, um, you know, we didn't see a lot of um, kind of like her internal struggle going on, like where, you know, where where we could kind of see where things were like, where were really, really difficult, like aside from, you know, the really obvious meltdowns and, you know, the, the scene with the accident or the scene in the courtroom or whatever. But there's so much that... Um, it, takes place with autistic people and internal struggles and everything like, Oh, sorry. I'm having a really hard time trying to get this out. Um, <laughs> no, you're doing great. Oh, thank you. This yeah. You're doing, hard. you're doing, I mean, you know, I, um, I, I can explain so the, it to you if you don't the want to. Struggle. Okay. Can you explain it? That would be so helpful. Can we tag team? Thank you. <laughs> um, no, it's just like, um, yeah, now, now I don't know what to say. Um, no, it's just, Lots of her job is really, really stressful. Um, she doesn't mask as much as like other characters, but I could just like, they did this really, really, really well in like, it's okay to not be okay. Um, to just show that autistic people, that this often, obviously I can't speak for everyone, um, seem to need kind of like time to recharge after a stressful day more than neurotypical people would like when I had a really stressful day at work I go home and if it was really stressful and if I had to like mask a lot and like kind of like smile a lot make a lot of like eye contact all these things they're so incredibly exhausting I sometimes don't even I don't have the energy to cook I don't have the energy to clean I don't have the energy to shower or anything like that and it's just something that just cu comes with this whole autism thing and I just feel like she's got such a stressful job. She works how many hours every day? I just feel like there should have been like some sort of mention or some sort of like scene where we can kind of like see her just just be by herself in her room, just like do her stuff, not interact with anyone, you know, like just like read up about whales or something like that and just like show that she needs this time to kind of like recover. 
Um, and the other thing is, um, I think this whole thing about um, executive dysfunction that a lot of autistic mm. people experience, you know, like just like having to do things, but just not being able to start the task and all these kind of things. There's so many things um, that just like make a lot of people, a lot of autistic people struggle with um, daily life and with like normal job life. Um, and they were just like completely excluded. Like she was so like Uyung Woo was so good at her job. Um, you know, like she just like took it all in a stride and just did it and just did as much work as everyone else, which just um, at least to my experience didn't feel very real. And I think it would have been really really good if they had kind of like shown this every now and then. Yeah, I, I keep going. I keep going back to what you were saying. You know, earlier. To what you're both saying earlier about like you know what sort of consultation do they even have when they're when they're doing this and I think it's pretty clear that they didn't have very much if if any at all um and if there is going to be a season two I really hope that they are listening to the autistic community and and what you are saying about this um in in hopes that you know because they did leave so much out because they did leave so much flat you know, for, for so many of the characters, I'm hoping that that voices will be heard and we're going to get what you all think are missing um, into the next season. But we'll see. A lot of the things that, a lot of the, you know, like autistic representation things that we know from ourselves, that we're related to, that, you know, like that family members related to or friends related to and it's all different things but you know like I think there was like a very positive response from the autistic community about a lot of the stuff that they did um, being really good and you know people related to it like for me like the headphones I don't go anywhere without my headphones anymore like it just makes life so much more pleasant or the scene like at the um, where they eat at the sister's um, um, place and, you know, like she kind of like tries so hard and it might seem ridiculous, but it really isn't ridiculous. Like, I mean, I don't just eat gimpap, obviously. I eat a lot of things, but um, I, I couldn't ever eat something that I can't eat. You know, I can't force myself. I would literally throw it up. Um, so really, really, really related to that scene. So there are just lots of things that were really well done. And just because, I mean, we've talked a lot about what was missing, but the things that they did do were generally really good. It was just that they were incomplete and that was part of the you know writing problems, that they were concentrating too much on other stuff and things like that. But, um, you know, there were a lot of really, really good things in this drama. I agree. I agree. And I think... Um, like. It- like Francisca was saying that, you know, if we, like, it sounds like we're being really negative about it and that we're kind of like really taking it apart, but they did do a lot of things really well. And I did read so many tweets um, about how it had resonated, like the the portrayal had resonated, um, you know, like that, that the traits were, were being recognized by people and that they were seeing themselves represented. And this seemed to like really strike a chord with a lot of the people that were tweeting about it. And so, I mean, in that terms, I mean, it was it was a win, really. I mean, some people were really quite, you know, so moved about it, and that you know that they were seeing some aspect of themselves being portrayed, and that they resonated. It resonated with them, and so I mean, that was that was a positive. And so I, I mean, yeah, it was it was it was well done in that way. Like I did I did enjoy the drama. I mean, 
I mean, if we're going to ask, like, if you know, do we enjoyed it? I enjoyed it, I, and I would still recommend it. I mean, it's it's probably not a favorite, but I mean, I would. And it's just for that representation, and just for the ensuing conversations and discussions that arise from people who are watching it. I mean, that was it. And I just wanted to add as well, since I know that we're we're running a bit short on time. Um, a couple of the things that I did like about it that um, relate to kind of like the. The, one of the the aspects um, with the with the dating that that was going on and with um, that whole that whole storyline with Jun Ho and everything was that I, I'm glad that they gave her a love interest. I'm glad that they um, that they that in, in the in the the, the storyline with the dating that we had this we had these aspects of you know her having agency and control. And that he was respecting her boundaries and that this was like, you know, this was huge. And this was kind of like, you know, like I, that really resonated with me. And it was really, I really liked seeing that, that the way that they had done that. And I mean, like there was quite a few like little scenes and stuff where you could kind of see that play out where, you know, he was respectful of her boundaries and respectful of her needs. And I mean, I thought that was well done. So yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, I mean, it's like almost revolutionary to have a main character like this, a female main character. Like, autism is stereotypical, always like a, a, a male thing. Um, so to have like a female character as the main character of a show with agency, with a love interest, is just so amazing to see. So I, I definitely agree. I would recommend it just for that. Even you know, even if some of the some parts of the show are flawed but um it's just really 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 good for that i love i love that you're saying that because that is pretty much the conclusion that we came to last week when we were talking with sarah because you know sarah had a lot to say you know similar to what you both are saying but she's like at the end of the day we have an autistic east asian woman as the lead of a drama like it all revolves around her and she gets a romance and Mm. she's like that's huge as far as representation it is. And so even if they didn't get the representation 100% right or even 60% right, you know, whatever it might be, that the representation is there and it's a step forward. And like you both have said, it is causing us to have conversations, which I think is only going to hopefully help us keep putting one foot in front of the other and doing better. Yeah. And I mean, there were like, I loved the first four episodes of it, like how she was in the drama, kind of like explaining some parts of her autism to the people she, you know, like just met her new colleagues and things like that. And I really, really loved how they did that and how they like, you know, like explained the stuff about um, Hans Asperger and how, you know, like how, um, well, controversy that is um and that it's not used anymore and things like that that's never you know like people were like agreeing on twitter that's like a, a first you know like in media that anyone's ever said this out loud like that um so it, it's it's been really really good in explaining um quite quite a few things of you know like quite a few things of autism um really well and um showing it really well too through the acting well this was fantastic like, I cannot thank you two enough. This, I, I wish we could do something like this for every drama. <laughs> Get people to come in who, you know, have a lived experience, <laughs> you know, especially, I mean, okay, maybe we can't get people to come in for a lived experience as a goblin, but I mean, it, I would be all for, I would be all for it. I would, I would 100% oh, be on. all for it. it 
But this (laughs) conversation has also kind of spanned the globe literally tonight. And so, you know, we have Jay in Australia. And then, Francisca, can you just kind of say what time it is for you right now? (laughs) Shall I round it up? (laughs) It's 4 a.m. in the morning. (laughs) So, I mean, like, yeah, she's pulled an all-nighter to be here tonight to talk (laughs) about this. And I just think that, like, again, that is... um, like a big debt of gratitude to you for um, being willing to do that because I I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I need to send you like an edible arrangement or something. Send you you a nap. (laughs) The thing is we feel the same, you know? Yeah, no, thank you so much for having us. Yeah. And you know, any Kong Tao juju I can send out there, you know, the universe. (laughs) That would be the best. That would be the best case scenario for season, <laughs> yeah. season two. All right. Well, um, on this note, normally how we close every episode out is with an onion. So we invite you to do that with us. It's very cringy, <laughs> but we like it that way. It's you know, it's it's to bookend our show. We have an opening that's pre recorded and then we onion at the end. <laughs> So if you'd like to close it out with us, we'll Anyone. say Anyone. Anyone. <laughs> Awesome. Yay. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to afternoonadelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T. Com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, Annyeong!